0: And don't you love our church? Don't you love our church? Don't you love to watch that video over and over? As I'm watching the video, I'm like, dude, what am I going to do up here on this stage? Uh, we just play that for 30 minutes on repeat. And uh, we really believe that lives will be transformed and, and changed. But, man, we, we, we love our church as pastors and staff, man. We love this church. I don't know if you know this or not, but on Tuesday mornings, every Tuesday mornings, we gather together, all staff from this campus and our campus in Sandy Springs, we gather together and we pray. I mean we pray. We pray for life change like this. We we pray for people to make decisions, to turn their lives over to Jesus. We we pray for restored marriages, we, we pray for, for wayward sons and daughters. Like man, we are on our knees and we are praying for life change like this. And we actually pray because we actually believe it'll happen. And even a couple of weeks ago, we, we saw that. You, you've heard the stories of these transformations from people, from, from death to life, from darkness to light. And we actually believe as we pray as a staff that we can spend this time every week, we really believe that it's gonna change this place, change your life, change my life and change our city. Man, and I want everybody to come here. Like I want everyone to come and see our church and come and see the stories and come and see the miracles. I want everyone from your office complex, from your neighborhood to your best friends, to your family, man, I want everyone to come here to experience what you experienced today. If you're new, we're in a two-week series called Come and See. I'm on the tail end of the two-week series. Last week, Stephen Gibbs, our senior pastor, walked through Jesus calling the first disciples. And one of the first disciples was a guy named Nathaniel. Everybody say Nathaniel sweet. He called Nathaniel, And then Nathaniel was like, dude, I'm going to go get my brother to come. And, and Nathaniel was just like, just, just come and see. Come and see. I don't have all the answers. I, I don't know all the ins and outs of this Messiah, this, this Jesus, but, but, just, but just come and see. And today we get to kind of follow through and we get to fully understand um, what, what it's like to come and see. And you guys know what it's like to come and see. You, you guys know what life change feels like. You guys know, some of y'all in this room, you guys know what, what it feels like for prayers to be answered. Your own life has been transformed. And I think the scary part about this series sometimes and about a title is that sometimes we can latch on to this phrase, come and see, and we really fail to see what we're called to do. Yes, we want to come and see. Yes, we want to come and see baptisms. Yes, we want to come and see the now-gen worship on the first and second row. Come on. Yes, we want to see um, uh, people turn from, from darkness to, to life. Yes, we want to see a church that plants churches. But, but we can't just stay focused on coming and seeing. If you just stay focused on coming and seeing, it's like you're walking into a movie theater. You're just going to come. You're going to grab your popcorn. And then you're going to watch. And you're going to see. For, for people to come and see, we all need to go and tell. For, for people to actually come and see, we need to go and tell. Like I said, some of you guys have seen the power of Jesus, but your neighbors have never experienced it. Some of you guys have, have seen restored marriages, but your mom and your dad and your, your family, they, they haven't. If we really want to establish this, this come and see culture, we have to go and tell. And the crazy thing is every one of you can do it. Several um, months ago, a uh, 93-year-old grandma, she, she had a tragic fall, and she had to go to the hospital, and then she had to go to inpatient therapy um, to kind of regain some mobility. And while she was uh, in the inpatient mobility, she ran into a woman named Megan, who was a physical therapist. Now, as Megan was interacting with her, this 93-year-old grandma started bragging on her grandson that preaches at a church called Stone Creek. And Mama Lee, she's sitting in the front row, but Mama Lee invited this this physical therapist, hey, you should just come and see. Just come and see. Come and see this church. Come and see where I worship. And she didn't know that this physical therapist was new to the area. She didn't know that this physical therapist had never been baptized before. And this physical therapist named Megan came to church a couple months ago and was baptized two weeks ago. Isn't that incredible? And the ironic thing and maybe you can judge me for this but I look at my grandma uh, probably every week and go like grandma you're 93 like I, I don't really know how much you have left to offer right that's bad but it's just I would just having a conversation and she, she literally looked at me and she goes one day she's like I, maybe this is the reason like, like, like maybe the reason that God still has me on earth is for moments like that isn't that incredible That God has designed you, no matter your stage, no matter your age, no matter your phase, no, no matter what, God has designed you to go and tell. I came across this past week of um, a businessman who he's going to retire at the end of December. Uh, he's like platinum, gold, diamond status. I, I don't know. I've never lived that life, um, but he changed flights and then he just, he had to sit on the very back row, right? And he's a, he's a big dude. He's like 6'3", like 240 pounds. Don't judge me. I look just like him. It wasn't me, but, but he's sitting on the back row in the middle aisle. Okay. Now and he had a decision to make, he could go, Ah, oh, cool. I'm just going to kind of sit back here and be disgruntled or take advantage of the situation. He began to have a conversation with somebody that was sitting next to him and found out that he lived in Canton and invited him to this church to come this Sunday. Isn't that incredible? I've heard stories, another story this morning at 930 where this new family walked in. I mean, How did you hear about us? And they're like, oh, somebody, we met somebody at a park this this past weekend, and and they invited us. Our kids began to play with their kids, and then we were kind of looking for a church, and they showed up. I I heard a story about a hairdresser coming, a dental hygienist being invited and coming. Like, how does that work? Hey, are you coming to church? And I was like, that's God, right? Like, that is just the the Holy Spirit. Um, Any one of us can do it. But if we really want people to come and see, you and I, we have to go and tell Before I jump into scripture, let me pray for us. You guys ready? Let's do this. Jesus, thank you so much for this time. Thank you so much for this place. Thank you so much for this book, Jesus, that you've given us. And I pray, Jesus, that you inspire us all to live different, to act different, to speak different, and to follow you in a renewed passion. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Hey, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in the book of John. Um, today uh, we're going to look at a very familiar story called the woman at the well many of you guys have heard this story before and so I don't want you to to kind of just take this Sunday off I I really do believe that every single one of us in this room and everyone online like God's going to speak to you in a significant way this morning so, so don't just dodge this one. Don't just check out on this one. But we're going to hear the words from this guy named John, and John was a follower of Jesus, one of his uh, disciples. Uh, we, we find throughout the Bible that, that Jesus calls John the one he loves, right? Which is a little, a little ironic because he had he had several disciples, but this is the one he loved. Uh, Jesus had a favorite, and his favorite was John. Cool. Uh, how many parents in the room this morning? How many parents? Uh, you have a favorite, right? Uh, let's just be honest. And so on the count of three, just so we can get comfortable together, I want you to shout out your favorite kid. Ready? One, two, three. Oh, y'all, y'all did it. Yeah, yeah y'all. That, that wasn't, no, that wasn't supposed to happen. Um, so sorry if your name wasn't called and you're sitting with your family. That's just pitiful. Um, but uh, I have a six-year-old, four-year-old, and a three-year-old. I didn't say a name because I don't like any of them right now. Uh, it's, it's pretty pretty, pretty hard, hard times for us. But, but John, man, he, 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 walks, he walks this line of really communicating to us throughout the scripture that, that, hey, we, you, and I, we all, we need to all come see a man. We need to all come see a mission, and we need to all see a miracle. So as we're walking through this story at the woman of the well, I want us to think and I want us to interact through that lens. Hey, come and see this man, Jesus. Come and see this mission that he's been placed on and that he places you and I on. And then come and let's experience the miracle. Y'all ready? Sweet. Sweet. John chapter 4 verse 1 here we go it says now when John when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John although Jesus himself never did baptize but only his disciples he left Judea and departed again for Galilee and he had to pass through Samaria now this is this is very interesting but I'll throw a map up on the screen so, so we, for us visual learners. But uh, Jesus says that um, he had to go through Samaria to get from Judea to Galilee. Now, now, the reality is the dotted line going across was really the traditional route. Jews, they, they, they hated Samaritans. I mean, Samaritans, they were the crazy people. Uh, they're like the, the cousins from Alabama, right? Like you don't want to pass through. You, you go up to Chicago and come down to get to Louisiana. Like we're not, we're not going to drive through Alabama. I can say that because I was born there and I have some weird creepy cousins. But Jesus was in Judea and, 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 he, and he says he has to go through Galilee, but he says he has to go through Samaria. He didn't have to. The, the Jews, the disciples at the time, they would probably made this trip before. And it's about 140 miles going the long way and 70 miles going straight through. And Jesus said he had to. Isn't that interesting? That Jesus at this moment, he knew he didn't have to. He knew that he could have gone a different way. But in that moment, he knew his life was about to collide with someone else's. So he had to. Church, look right at me this this morning. Who do you have to interact with this week? Who, who do you have to walk by this week in your office? Who, who do you have to send a text to? Yes, you could avoid it. Yes, you could talk and ask about them with another friend, but, 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 but who do you have to, who, who, do, who do you need to? Because this, this, was, this was our, our, our Jesus. Jesus knew that he didn't have to go through Samaria. Jesus wanted to go through Samaria. And I think at this moment, John begins to kind of, kind of unravel the characteristics of Jesus. And John in this moment is like, man, I want you to understand this man, Jesus. I want you to understand that, that, that this man, when he sees someone, when he knows someone, when, when, when he, he wants to interact with someone, he will go and do it he will walk through places that's gonna cause conflict. He's gonna walk into a town of people that he, who hated him and his followers. He was willing to walk through and enter into a mess. Like this is the man, come and see this man. This, this is our Jesus. You and I, we, we've experienced this, right? Our, our lives have been a mess. We've made bad decision after bad decision, poor decision after poor decision. We, we, we've walked close to sin, walked in, and then jumped right into sin. And Jesus goes, no, 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 I have to walk through. I have to walk to, I have to engage with you and you and you and you and me. And Jesus goes, no, this, this, is, this is my mission. Come and see this man who's not afraid of conflict, who's not af- afraid of the awkward conversation who's not willing just to bypass us and you because you and I are such a mess come and see this man and in John verse 5 it says so he came to a town Jesus came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. Jesus was man, Jesus got tired. Uh, Jesus would travel a long time and Jesus would actually need some rest. It was about the sixth hour in the middle of the day. A woman from Samaria came to draw water and Jesus said to her, give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Couldn't you imagine being on the journey with Jesus? I mean, Jesus goes like, dude, we have to walk through Samaria. And the Jews were like, no, 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 not, 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 not those people. And, and we don't know what exactly happened, what interactions happened as they began the, the day and a half, two day journey. But, but maybe Jesus was kind of leading the way and the disciples were in the back. And, and John was like, Peter, say something. Come on. And Peter's like, oh, I ain't saying, I ain't saying, I ain't saying that. And they begin to whisper like, are we really going through here? my uncle walked through here once or my grandpa walked through here once. Like we're really walking through here and Jesus gets to right outside the city of Samaria and he's tired and he takes a rest and he sends his disciples into the town. Now, if I'm a disciple, I'm like, all right, cool. I'll walk through a city that is wretched and wild. If Jesus, the savior of the world is leading the pack, but you want me to walk into the city by myself without you, Jesus? So who knows what was happening with the disciples, but but Jesus sent them in to go get some food. Could you imagine what that looked like? Maybe they go to the Chick-fil-A and the lady's like, no, it's not my pleasure. No, (laughs) every door was closed. Every every sign was flipped from open to closed. And they're like, oh, no, 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 you're you're a Jew. But because there was this, this tension between the Jews and the Samaritans. The Samaritans had a different Bible than the Jews. The Samaritans worshiped in a different place. The Samaritans were, were half breeds. And as they walked into the city, Jesus is hanging out by a well and he sees a woman and he asks her to give him some water and they begin this conversation. It says in verse nine, the Samaritan woman said to him, how is that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? This is an interesting encounter with Jesus and a woman. The woman is unnamed in the book of John, and we really are very unfamiliar with with who she is. In the book of John, this is the longest recorded conversation with Jesus and another person. And we find in the end, spoiler, that this woman begins to change a whole city. But as Jesus is speaking to her, he, he, he breaks... Uh, three, three laws, th- three Jewish laws. One, he begins to talk to a woman and that was a big no-no for a man to talk to another woman. Two, it, it was a Samaritan woman. So like, oh, another, another law uh, broken. And three, he didn't bring a jar to fetch water. And so Jesus asked this woman, who was a Samaritan woman, who, 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 was, who was judged by the Jewish people, to go get her some own water and bring it back to Jesus. And Jesus was about to sip out of the same jar this woman sipped out of. Big no-no. And this woman begin, begins to ask Jesus questions. Could you imagine, like, this woman was there by herself, all the other women would have come early on in the morning. We we find out later in scripture that this woman's been married five times. Uh, We don't know if she's widowed um, or if every husband died, dateline. I mean, come on. Like we don't know what happened to this woman. And we find out that this woman is actually living with uh, another dude, a live-in boyfriend. So she's at the well by herself. She sees these like 13 dudes rolling up at the well and she's like, no, no, I just want to get away. I just want to be alone. If it was my choice, I would rather just curl up and kind of let life be, but she still had to get herself water. She still had to live. Have you you ever felt that way? All of life's pressures, and maybe it was your fault. Maybe it wasn't your fault. All the judgment, all the whispers, all the lies, all the shame, and you want to just curl up and just let it go, but you know you still have to make the mortgage payment? You still have to get the kids up in the morning? I mean, this is the heaviness of this woman, and then these 13 guys come walking up on her, 12 leave, and it's her and Jesus, and she was probably freaking out. She was probably thinking that this Jesus was going to come condemn her, point his finger at her, get away from the well, let let me do my thing, But, but Jesus begins to engage with her, and love her. And in this moment, we, we see Jesus completely on mission. In this moment, we, we see John the writer, I think, highlighting the fact that, 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 that Jesus, he's, he, he's come on mission. John's going, "Hey, come come and see the mission. Come and see the mission of Jesus." I think if Jesus was getting his calendar ready on a Sunday night to figure out his plans for the week, he's he's always looking at it through the lens of his mission. His life doesn't dictate his mission, but his his mission dictates his life. He knows every week he wants to interact with someone. Every day he wants to speak life and truth and hope into someone. And every moment and every day and everything he does, he wants to be dictated by His mission. And we know that Jesus, he left heaven on mission to come here to earth. That that Jesus wasn't here just by accident. Uh, Jesus wasn't just a a, a good guy. Uh, Jesus wasn't just walking around trying to be nice to people. We see that Jesus, he he comes on mission, and his mission is saving people. That's all he wanted. That, that was the, score, the, the, the scoreboard in his life. How many people can I heal? How, how many people can, can, can I see? How, how many people can I, can I make known? How, how many people can I, can I interact with and, and give them new hope? And this was Jesus' mission. So, so John's going, man, I want you to come see this man. Hey, I want you to come see this mission. And we see in verse 23 what happens. It says, but the hour is coming. Jesus is saying this and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth for the Father is seeking. If you have your Bible, I want you to underline that or circle it. If you have the YouVersion app, I want you to highlight it. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. Jesus is seeking after you. Not, not because you're a wanted woman or a wanted man, but because you're lost and you want to be found. Jesus is seeking after us and, and says, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Jesus declared what he hadn't made public in many circles, that, that, that he was the Messiah. I think many of us, one of the mottos I had um, when I first started off in ministry and student ministry was, I want to build relationships with students earning the right to share the gospel. Pretty cute, right? "I I want to build relationships with students earning the right to share the gospel. I want to build relationships with people earning the right to share the gospel. But what I came to find out was I'm really good at building relationships with people and I'm really not that great about sharing the gospel with them. And then what ends up happening, and I think your hearts are a lot of like, like we want to be a walking billboard for Jesus. We we want to see people with restored lives and restored purpose. Like we want more people in heaven. Like we, we all do, but, but what we ended up what we end up doing is we become friends and we build relationships with these people, but we always live out the we always leave out the gospel. And so then your friends, your coworkers, your family, now you're just really good friends with them. Now they just come over to to dinner and you have have dinner parties with them. But you and I, sometimes we we fail to talk about Jesus. And Jesus shows us the roadmap. Jesus shows up on the scene. He doesn't condemn. He doesn't point out her her sin. He begins to love her and care for her. But then he also tells her, hey, look, I am the Messiah. I am he. I am the Christ. Like, I, I don't want to waste any more time. There's urgency to this plan. There's urgency to this connection. There's urgency to this message. There's urgency to this relationship. And Jesus shows us right away, like, I'm not gonna spend days with you. I'm not gonna kind of build it in. I'm gonna love you. I'm gonna be authentic. But then I'm gonna drop the hammer and let you know that I'm the Messiah and I'm the Savior of the world. Quick question. Who do you, let, who do you need to know, who, who do you need to let know in your life, in your friend circle, that, that Jesus is the Savior of the world? Who is it? What relationship are you building right now to get to the end means of sharing the gospel, students? Like this week, tomorrow, Tuesday, the time is now. Jesus didn't wait for the next person. Jesus didn't wait for the next week, the next month. Like Jesus did it now. What friend, what person are you going to share the gospel with today? Not the next one, but that one. We see the story continue in verse 27. It says, just then the disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? Good call. So the woman left her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and they were coming to him. Do you see how Jesus' urgency with the woman at the well led to the woman at the well being urgent for her city? That Jesus, he he didn't waste time, but he he went to it, and the woman, she dropped her jar, her only possession, maybe the thing that was worth the most to her, and ran into the city to go tell the city. Telling our friends and telling our family about Jesus should cost us something. It's probably not going to cost your life, It's probably not going to cost you a a ton of of finances. But but what if we we lived the life in such a way that like before next year we go on spring break and we take the trip and have the experience with our family? Like what if we actually pray to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, do you want me to go on spring break or or do you want me to stay in my cul-de-sac? What if before you, you kind of jump into summer plans that maybe you think a little bit differently and go, hey, instead of kind of planning the week at the beach or, or maybe it's already planned, but man, God's doing and moving something in my life. Maybe, maybe we cancel those plans and we kind of live on mission in our city. I wish I could tell you that telling other people about Jesus won't cost you anything, but, but it actually should cost you something. And this woman, she had such urgency that, that she left her jar and she ran to the city. And all, all she had, <laughs> all she knew was, was was come and see a man. All, all, she, all she had was a few sentences, a few minutes of conversation. She didn't have all the gold stars in Sunday school. She didn't own a Bible. She didn't have a mentor. She didn't go to church. She didn't have have the resume, but all she did was I'm willing to go back into the town, the town where I'm shamed, the town that that, that people point their finger at me, the the town where I'm judged, and I'm willing to go in and go, hey, guys, will you just come? Will you just come and see a man that told me everything that I've ever done? I think one of the biggest barriers you and I have sometimes is trying to figure out all the answers before we approach someone and tell somebody about Jesus. What if they say this? What if they push back on on that? And our job, Jesus, uh, we see this through the Samaritan woman. It's just, man, can you come see a man? Can, Can you come see a man? And I'm going to tell you how to do it here in just a few minutes. And then we get to see the miracle. Come and see a man. Come and see a mission. And come and see a miracle. In John chapter 4, verse 39, it says, Many Samaritans from that town believed in him. Because of the woman's testimony, he told me all that I ever did. Come and see the miracle. I think so often we get caught up in like the big miracle. Like we want our loved one, we want the cancer just to go away. We should want that. Many of us, we want our mom and dad to stay together and their marriage to be restored. And we should pray for that. Many of us, we we pray for our wayward son or wayward wayward daughter, and we want them to come back. And, man, we should should pray for that. But but sometimes we neglect the the miracle that you and I, we we all possess. And that miracle is forgiveness. That in this moment, the woman at the well, man, she was forgiven. She was forgiven for all of her bad choices. She, she, She was forgiven for all the neglect. She was forgiven for all of the selfishness, and then she runs into the city, and we see that many people in the city they become followers of Jesus, and they come and seek out Jesus. I found this this uh, statement earlier this week. It says forgiveness is the greatest miracle that Jesus ever performs. It meets the greatest need, it costs the greatest price, and it brings the greatest blessing and the most lasting results. You've experienced a miracle because you and I, we, we've been forgiven. This, this morning, my um, six-year-old daughter, Riley, uh, she's um, finding out which words are appropriate and not appropriate in our household. And um, sh- she asked me about the word stupid uh, this morning. I said, yeah, 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 that's, that's, not, that's not a word that we want to use. You know, it's, it's kind of a mean word. And she goes, well, what if I call God stupid? And I'm like, oh. That, that, just, that, just, that just went kind of a lot right there. Um, said, so yeah, you don't want to do that because God's not, God's not stupid. And she goes, would God forgive me? I said, absolutely, Riley. Like, like God would forgive you. And she goes, even if I did it on purpose? <laughs> like, yeah, e- even if you did it on purpose. You and I have been forgiven. You've been forgiven for your lies. You've been forgiven for your sin. Whether you did it on accident, whether you do it on purpose, whether you did it yesterday, or whether you do it tomorrow, Jesus offers a miracle. Come see this man. Come see this mission. Come see this miracle. But you and I, we have to go and tell it for people to come and see. And aren't you and I, aren't we a go and tell culture? Social media? Anything significant that happens in your life, you go and tell it. Well, we do. My three year old daughter graduated from her uh, pack and play to her big girl bed last night. She was in a pack and play because she broke her crib, okay? Don't judge us. (laughs) But we made this bed. We made it all pretty. We took a nice little picture of Carly Cole on her bed. I'm sure Ashley posted it on social media to talk about, oh, Carly's graduating to a big girl bed. We want to go and tell everyone. What you don't know is, well, the night wasn't that great. Carly was crying, and she she wanted her old bed. Carly wouldn't go to sleep. But on social media, we're gonna go and tell, and you're gonna watch the picture and go, oh, wow, this is a cool, awesome experience. And the wild thing, look right at me, the wild thing is we're willing to go and tell things in our life that is really insignificant. And if we're honest, we go and tell things and we post pictures and we tell things that are really half truths. But when it comes to Jesus and the Savior of the world, we kind of quiet the forgiveness that's real. The, the love that, that's real, that's full truth. Jesus' death, which is absolute truth. We're, we're a go and tell culture, but sometimes, sometimes not as much as we wanna be. So this week, my challenge for you, for me this week is, is, is to, to, to go and tell your come and see story. your your man, your mission, your miracle story. What is your man, your mission, your miracle story? And I I think it may help for you to hear mine. So when I was 13 years old, I I had just moved from my mom's to my dad's, from Austin, Texas to Atlanta, Georgia. I'd moved away from three sisters and a mom, an abusive home, abusive stepdad. And I was living with my dad and my stepmom and we started going to church and I began to wrestle with this idea of following Jesus. And I sat on a couch and I asked my dad, how do you you follow Jesus? And he said, I don't know. We called the pastor, the pastor came over, the pastor told me about Jesus, that he's willing to save me and he's willing to be beside me and he's willing to restore me and love me. And I go, I want that, Jesus. And in that day in my living room, I I accepted Jesus as my personal savior. I, I want you to come and see this man this Jesus who who took Ryan who was the the youngest of five kids from a broken home from from a dad who'd been married six times and a mom who'd been married five times and come see this man this Jesus who restored me Man, I want you so desperately to see this Jesus who who in the midst of addiction Jesus stepped in and he carried me he didn't leave me he didn't walk away from me but I want I want you to see this man I want you to see this man, this Jesus who taught me how to love when I didn't know how to. And is teaching me every day how to love my wife and to love my kids. Man, I, I want you to see this man. Will you please, will you please just come and see this Jesus? And then this Jesus, he sent me on mission. Four months after I gave my life to Jesus, I hopped on a plane and went to Jamaica on a mission trip. I felt like I was the woman at the well. I, I, I didn't have the Bible. I didn't have the gold star. I didn't have the knowledge, but I had this story. And I began to walk the streets of Jamaica with a couple other friends and I got to see them tell their story. And then I walked right in and they, I just want you to know that four months ago, I gave my life to this Jesus. Four months ago that this Jesus, he rescued me and he saved me and I began to tell them about this man named Jesus. And these Jamaicans begin to give their lives over to Jesus. And in that moment, my faith was solidified. Church, is is your faith weak? Do do you doubt your faith? If you go and tell, your faith will be made stronger because I promise people will respond to the gospel. What would it look like for next Sunday for you to invite your neighbor, your friend, your coworker, and they sit in this chair and Stephen preaches his socks off and we ask people to raise their hand to follow Jesus for the first time. And you peek out of your eye. You're not supposed to, but I'll let you do it. You peek out of your eye and you see your friends raise their hand for Jesus. Guess what? Your faith is sky high. And your belief in Jesus is quite different. Let me tell you about this miracle that Jesus, he's forgiven me. Jesus has forgiven me for my addiction. Jesus has forgiven me for my sin. Jesus has given me this this, this miracle of one day that me and Jesus and all other believers are gonna be in heaven one day and living life everlasting. Jesus giving me this miracle that one day I get to walk into heaven and look at my dad and my mom and give them a hug and an embrace for another time. That Jesus, I come and see this miracle. So church, what? where are you going to go? And who are you going to tell? Come see this man. Come see this mission. <laughs> come see this miracle. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus, you're so worthy. Jesus, you're amazing. Jesus, I hope, I pray, I beg, I plead that every single one of us leaves this place and we go and tell for people to come and see. On the way home, we talk about this, Jesus. Jesus, that we talk about you. We we, we talk about the mission we talk about the miracle. And I pray for those people in the room right now who, who haven't fully experienced your love. And I pray, Jesus, that, that, that today's the day, the moments now that you're chasing after them, that you've met them, that they want to be met, Jesus, because they're here this morning. And I pray, Jesus, that if someone in this room or someone online wants to follow you for the first time, I pray. That they, they pray something like this, hey, Jesus, how, I want you to be my Savior. Jesus, I believe you're the Messiah. Jesus, I want to follow you for the rest of my days. Church, to mark this moment with every head bowed and every eyes, eye closed, to mark this moment because the woman of the world didn't have a private face. She had a public one. Uh, just, just to kind of mark the moment, we want you to raise your hand on the count of three. If you've given your life, if you've confessed Jesus is the savior of the world for the first time, we want you to raise your hand on the count of three. You ready? One, two, three. Yeah. And Jesus, I pray for everyone else in this room that we can run back to our cities, that we can run back to our homes, that dads in this room can run back to their wives and their kids and tell them the story. And I pray, Jesus, that we experience a miracle this Easter. Jesus, help us go and tell people to come and see. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen.